welcome to the Book of Leaves podcast. My name is Cara and I am your host. for joining me on the second episode of Book of Leaves. In this episode I'll be talking to Avian McCann on all things fashion, politics, personal choices that we can make and I know it's a long one but there's again it's full of crackers and really good information and I found it really hard to cut chunks out. We talked for almost an hour and a half so I've wheedled out some bits and I've left in what I think is really useful helpful information that covers a wide area of things. Before we get into that I just want to thank you all so much for your support with the podcast so far. Last week's episode was with Fasco on All About Cork and so many of you are getting in touch with me to let me know that it taught you so much or taught you something that you didn't know and I'm meeting people and they're like oh that's your bag that you were talking about so it's been really good. Thank you so much for your support. Please um, keep sharing and keep following the podcast subscribe if you're on iTunes we only released on iTunes a couple of days ago so if you could rate subscribe and leave a review that would be amazing and if anyone would like to go even further supporting the podcast I do have a Patreon account patreon.com forward slash book of leaves if any of you can spare a euro or a couple of euro whatever you have spare to support the podcast that would be amazing but what I would actually like even more than any contributors on Patreon this week I'm actually doing a play in Smokali Theatre this week it starts tonight actually so I'm going to be running off to Smock Alley after this. It's a comedy about Oscar Wilde, Mary Shelley, Ernest Hemingway arguing with each other in heaven over who's the greatest. It's a good laugh and there's about 80 costume changes in it. It's mad but it's good fun. It's suitable for kids as well so if any of you are actually in Dublin sure come along and see that. It starts at 7 and it goes from the 6th of May to the 11th of May and you can get tickets on Smock Alley's website or they'll be available on the door so it'll be awesome to see some of you come to that during the week um we reuse we like to be sustainable in the theater company as well we reuse all our costumes for loads of different shows so yeah we try try do our bit while performing as well so yeah it'd be lovely to see any of you to that i think that's all i want to say i think we should just get into it guys sit back relax get a cup of tea. Here is Avian McCann. Avian, thank you so much for coming in to talk to me on one of the very first ever Book of Leaves podcasts. Mm, my pleasure. You are an actor like myself, that's how we know each other. Yeah. And uh, you have kind of been involved a lot you've done a lot of interviews recently brilliant interviews that kind of focus a lot on you as a person just trying to living just trying to live uh, Hmm. sustainably trying to live in general yeah (laughs) sustainably yeah yeah but of course yeah sustainably and stuff particularly in Ireland and you've done a lot of interviews in regards to fashion and everything Mm -hmm. so I just thought you'd be a good person you know you're not running any particular business or anything you're just like a a fellow human trying to kind of do your bit for the planet absolutely and kind of 
and live without taking too much from it exactly and, and giving back maybe at the same time exactly yeah so I just I guess just to start like how did you kind of find yourself into being more conscious of the environment on the planet like was there yeah. something that happened that kind of that it's, a, it's a question I get asked every time I do an interview and and like you said for whatever reason well loads of reasons in the last year or two I've been interviewed quite a lot especially because of the work we do PR is a big part of promoting the work and so as a result I've done photo shoots and things that have promoted the idea of slow fashion as opposed to fast fashion which I can talk about in a bit but um, I always wonder where did I where have I been inspired or why why do I have this overwhelming need sometimes to live more sustainably or why do I worry so much about the world and the next generation and the small people in my life like my nieces and nephews and and why does it make me so uncomfortable to see so much plastic everywhere that's that's so single use or mm. um, I think it's because I grew up in the countryside up in Louth and Killy Peninsula and genuinely without sound, sounding really uh, what's the word I'm looking for dare I say wanky actor person <laughs> is that it really is my happy place on the mountain so as far as Ireland's concerned, yeah, it's a mountain. Elsewhere, it's probably a hill. But, like, it's a hill that becomes Slieve Foy, which is full of history. And Cuchulain was there. And Queen May have marched her army there. You know, whether you believe legends or not, there's something really magical for, for about it for me. And I remember being really small. Can't remember exactly what age, but I'm very close to my brother Brendan because we used to always have play on the hills together and our cousins and things. And we were sitting next to each other looking out to the sea. So where I grew up, you can see Dundalk Bay. And you, if on a really clear day, you can see the islands off Dublin oh, and if you cross behind that mountain you see Carlingford Lock so you see the mountains of Morn. it's really quite an incredible place to grow up and be allowed to roam and and make games and have ideas about the world and and also probably lent itself to me becoming an actor and a storyteller but Brendan and I were sitting there and I remember saying to him we're so lucky and he we, we must have been about seven ish like I would have been seven he would have been about five or a bit older and he would have said yeah like we genuinely knew that we were lucky and it wasn't just speaking f- for the sake of it, because when you're that young, you guess there is a there's a you're more honest than than you probably would be when you're older. You're yeah. less you're less diplomatic anyway. Yeah. And I certain just remember just feeling oh, I'm so lucky to be up here. And then I remember as I've gotten older, as it turns out, I discovered when I was in my late teens that my mum's side of the family, both sides of her her family, have trade union uh, connections. So. Mm. To my knowledge, my great-grandfather's portrait is in Stormont as a trade unionist. Cool. So there's this sort of like power of the people kind of yeah. message or sentiment or I don't know if that's a DNA thing or you just absorb it by growing up in that sort of mentality. But I would also argue that my dad is very fair. So as a result of those things combined, you start to feel a responsibility to stand up for what you feel yeah. strongly about once you understand that it's not selfish. And there was a, a, an incident when I was about 20, I was in university in Maynooth and I was the students union vice president. So I was elected to that position. Unsurprisingly, the trade unionist thing probably fed in. And I didn't know at that point that, that really that about my mum's side of the family. And there was an incident or, well, I guess it was a year long battle to some extent where this mining company wanted to test for minerals on the mountain where I grew up. And my great aunt on my dad's side, she's the, she was this incredible woman. She was like five foot, if that. She had like 15 children, um, I guess, to <laughs> I guess in that case, you're like, well, that's not very good for the planet. But she had 15 children, all amazing people. And she 
she wanted to make sure that this wasn't going to happen because what happens when that when that starts to take place if you're testing for minerals you can pollute water the mains of the water and animals are are affected and that's a farming area if anything that's a big that's the big priority is yeah. to protect that and also just the mere fact that you're start if you find anything then people can get licenses to do lots of crazy shit on mountains and in lakes and everywhere and so we all became really protective of that and i was nominated as the youth representative to go to the doll at the time and Fianna Fáil were in government and my Aunt Mary or Granny Mary as everyone called her she she ended up doing all the talking and it was all about like you can't do this to the place that we love so much and so beautiful and that was that mountain I grew up on and I just remember thinking wow how could anyone want to do that like why would you want to to make an industry of something that is worth more than any of any money that probably one percent of a company would people would, mm. would would receive at the end of the day and so few of the local people would get that and money is money I know money is important and it makes things go round and it, all those sayings but ultimately it's so ridiculously selfish to, to think that someone has the right to pull a mineral from the earth purely for their own pocket with no regard although they would testify that they would do something to reinstate nature but it would affect a whole ecosystem things that we can see with the naked eye and um i'm feeling like i'm 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 meandering now but but i at the core of it all that mountain is really important and i think it's a big part of why you start to think beyond where you grew up it's like you know you grow up you start to see the world when i started becoming more aware of sustainability it was a few years ago when I would have a keep cup when other people maybe maybe didn't. And I noticed how quickly there were just people were throwing things away, you know, and it always sat uncomfortably with me. And I do believe it sits uncomfortably with everyone. But mm-hmm. we've programmed ourselves as a society to some extent to ignore that. Because as I've noticed, when more and more people understand, like Una Murphy and I were chatting recently, the theatre director, and she and I said, once you know, you can't unknow. So once you understand yeah. that the damage that you're doing mm-hmm. as an individual, as a society, as a culture, it's hard to unknow that. And it becomes infuriating. And then there's a cycle, it becomes exhausting. And I remember having this keep cup and being in the queue for Lilliput stores. And they, and they, I mean, they still have single-use cups and they're not recyclable. In fact, no cup really is recyclable in Ireland. That's Even something if it people says don't, compostable. Yeah, because we don't really have the system to do that. So that's yeah. infuriating because mm-hmm. it gives people a little bit of like... I guess um, satisfaction yeah or comfort or something yeah. that they're not doing the damage that they kind of deep down know they are doing like what are they doing with the cup like probably throwing it in the bin somewhere and then wondering what happens to that but I, rem- I had my single my uh, reusable bottle and I thought okay well I've done my bit like I've done my bit and I didn't even think beyond that and then I was buying lots of clothes I always like most women and men um, not to be gender specific like I love getting dressed up and especially in our work like wearing costume is such a big part of what we do and and then my sister said to me one day Aveen you keep buying clothes online like do you know what damage you're doing and I could just remember the feeling in my chest like I guess I subconsciously had considered it but I kept pushing mm-hmm. it away like mm-hmm. so many of us and then that kick-started an investigation into the fact that buying clothes it wasn't just buying clothes online it's just fast fashion in general so going on to Henry Street, Grafton Street, your local towns, a high street or whatever, their shopping street, like like some of them are actually called shopping street. So you go on to those streets. They are so, I mean, I'm allergic to them now and I used to want to be in them all the time yeah. because once you know, you can't unknow. And mm-hmm. 
I understand no one out there can deny this. If you're going to just talk about the fact that so much of this gets transported, so that that's a huge carbon footprint, that so many of us buy clothes to send them back. We're realising now that when you send clothes back to these fast fashion fast, fast fashion labels, like ASOS, yeah. River Island, Pennies, uh, Dunn Stores even, not even, definitely, um, places like Marks and Spencer's to some extent, even though their clothes are better quality, there's no arguing with that fact. So that's mm-hmm. probably a better choice if you're going to go fast fashion mm-hmm. or buy something that will last a long long time and you're willing to wear like 50 times instead of three yeah. and all of these labels and brands and campaigns are just so centered on you buying as much as you can in short spaces of time and then also going back and buying more and going back and buying more and there's definitely an addiction to that uh, no question yeah. no one else can deny that there's a there's um and i actually una and i we're chatting recently um I mentioned Una because she directed the children at the gate which is a gorgeous piece of theatre and also it's a very human story but it's also such a climate action piece of work so if anyone can get their hands on reading the play even it's such a brilliant play to read so well written by Lucy Kirkwood and we were chatting about how we were showing up to this panel discussion and we were really nervous and we thought she, the crutch used to be like go and buy a new dress because you'd feel good anyway. So there is a little, still I still battle. You know, we have yeah. the awards, awards Irish Times Theatre Awards on Sunday and I'm going to go and I'm already going, which one of my dresses have I not worn that much? And then I have to remind myself, my message is not Instagram message, yeah. which tends to be, no one wants to be seen wearing the same thing yeah. more than three times. And yeah. if that more than once, mm-hmm. actually, if you're a proper Instagram star. So I'm trying to become at peace and celebrate the clothes I have the amount of poison that gets put into the water systems in parts of the world in order to make those cotton t-shirts that we all want and you know cotton if it's not organic and then it does take quite a lot of water to to grow cotton if if it isn't organic the amount of pesticides and issues that arise from growing non-organic cotton are unbelievable if if anyone has the time or the interest to watch the true cost it's a really incredible insight and there are, have been predecessors to that not by the same people but BBC have done versions Channel 4 to focus in on what actually happens to the material who's affected by it the material that we wear on our backs and, yeah. our, and it's hard there's no way like fast fashion is good for the for the environment it's just so bad and I was just saying the other day a friend of mine she's actually one of the leads in Vikings Ragnar and she's an Icelandic friend of mine and People follow, she's like, oh God, she's probably nearly 100,000 followers on Instagram now and something. And people constantly know who she was. And she's an Olympics uh, swimmer as well, so she's wow. done that twice. And the other day I was with her and we were shopping, not shopping, we went in to get a coffee. And we had to go into a shopping centre. And she just said, I've recently started feeling claustrophobic in these places. They make me feel so uncomfortable. And I was like, well, talk about it. Because someone like her talking about that is so powerful. And it's what people, I think, really feel when they go into shopping centres. Because there's this concept of the paradox of choice. Something I learned in sociology, I study sociology, which is probably a big factor in the vocabulary I can use as well when I talk about the world and society. Because sure. I, that was my favourite part of my degree, I did French and sociology. And paradox of choice was really interesting to me, and I think to a lot of people, because it highlights the idea that if I sent you into a shop and I said, could you get me a 70% chocolate bar, your favourite one? And there were 20 versions of 70% chocolate and they were all ethical. I'm just thinking of your your sensibilities. So they're all ethically sourced, sustainable brands and I want you to buy one chocolate bar. Like your mind would go into a whirl mm-hmm. trying to figure out which one it is yeah. you want. But if you went in and there was two brands, you would have a much more pleasurable time choosing that chocolate. So the idea is that choice is not 
something that makes us happy it's actually something that makes us really stressed okay. that is so true I feel like when you go into shopping centres because mm. there's so many things there's an excitement to it because your adrenaline goes yeah. or something but you're like the, the choice of it all is a bit of a god it would do your head in going in to buy imagine you know when someone says I have to buy a dress for a wedding yeah. like that used to be kind of like oh, that's kind of fun and now I'm like oh Jesus Christ it's so it. stressful yeah. and when uh, to go back to the idea of that mountain again when I reconnect to earth I feel like there's a quieter, gentler, more powerful feeling of content than getting the right dress. And there's really wonderful, what was the word, theory. And I, I do think it has been proven. Don't quote me in this though. And it's worth looking up. The listeners, your listeners should really look into this because I think it's really cool and interesting. Is that when you're traveling long distance, so if you take a long haul flight, for example, or even just a short haul, and you feel discombobulated inevitably because you've just gone up how many thousand feet in the air and mm. then you've come back down again to a different time zone. There's huge amounts of studies into how to deal with jet lag. And one of the concepts is that you put your feet, take your feet, your shoes out of your, your feet out of your shoes, not your shoes out of your feet. <laughs> Your feet out of your shoes, take your socks off and find earth, grass, not cement, something that's what you you would recognise as natural and stand in it, sand even, you know, stand in it and just reconnect to the earth. And it's the idea is that your body recognises where it is and that must ring through so much of what we need Mm -hmm. as animals is a reconnection to earth, to green, to life sources life forces all those different things I know I need more green the science has said that but I don't just need it for my body I need it for my mind I need it to reconnect and I think Henry Street and Grafton Street are like one of the most like they can be the most disconnecting places yeah they have obviously they've got their benefits and there's like some culture there and like in street setters and musicians and everything but in regards to the shopping kind of materialistic side of things it, Mm. it can absolutely be overwhelming there, are, as you say, there is a there's a respect for the architecture that's hard to miss, and there is a definitely like there are pubs around and the people, yeah. and they're all talking to each other to their each other's faces, and they're having human interaction, which is really really organic and good and, and important. And really interesting experience for me was I lived in London for six years, and for a lot of people, I would argue a lot of people who aren't who aren't from there find it difficult to stay there for a long time and and fair play to the ones who do and you know wonderful and I'm hoping I hope they're they're more than happy there but for me it just didn't sit with me and even more interesting actually I was I was living in Crouchend which Crouchend has its own little identity and the only true sense of hubbub that made sense to me was the market at the weekend Mm. or I think certain days in the week because there were independent sellers selling the things they'd made or they knew where it came from and they'd made that the food and it was fresh and the bread for the Jamaican food stall was was cooked was baked in someone's house that morning and then brought and we were eating it and it just felt better and also there's that whole Marxist idea that if you if you're far from the source of where something is made there's a huge loss there for both people right. the, the provider and the, the person the recipient yeah. because you don't know you don't give the same worth as if you made me a birthday card there's something huge about that mm. or if I didn't know you as I know you but you're this person selling me some beautiful vegan product like knowing you made it it gives it so much worth 
and weight that I'll look after it a bit better um, and that kind of, that feeds in that sentiment feeds in hugely to the fashion thing where there's a, an incredible group on Instagram that everyone should follow if they're interested in this stuff it's called and I think keep I don't even they realize I keep talking about them in interviews and I haven't <laughs> told them that I do and it's sustainable fashion Dublin and it basically is these two really cool girls Geraldine and Taz and their, their page is fun so it's really easy to access the message is really clear and they what they ultimately do is they're promoting charity shops and they're promoting sustainable fashion mm-hmm. in a way that makes sense and actually they're doing a huge service because what they're doing is they're making it cool so therefore fast fashion becomes less cool yeah. it's that weighing that the, the balance uh, I know yeah charity shops are filled with fast fashion what's really important for people to know is that we don't really recycle clothes in this world and we only have one world so we don't recycle clothes full stop so little I think it's like 2% or something gets mm-hmm. recycled so when H&M say they're recycling their clothes they're not doing that they're, what they're doing is they're sending it to places in the world and that's that's screwing with systems there and ecosystems and businesses that are native to those places now that's a huge statement to make but ultimately that's what's happening so these clothes are not becoming like I said in an interview recently they're not just magically disintegrating and becoming part of the soil again they exist they were made, so they became they be, they were once an organic material, or they were plastic, and then they got made into a material, and then that gets shaped into something that we wore maybe twice, three times if we're lucky. You should really be wearing your clothes like fifty, a hundred times, mm. and and even then you could probably do something else with it. So if everyone did that, we wouldn't have the problem we do with all of this excess material. People have livelihoods that are based and steeped in fashion. I get that, but if you're going to buy some fashion that is new, my argument would be try and think about buying something that is so special that you want it forever. So as an individual, I just try not to buy any new clothes. And also because my sensibilities have changed and my can't on, I keep saying this become a catchphrase of this interview, <laughs> is you can't unknow, you can't unknow the things you know. That would be the tagline. Yeah, yeah. Um, is that, uh, like I try to think about the brand that I'm looking in, that I'm buying from. And I just don't buy any crap anymore because even if that shirt looks beautiful and you argue with yourself that it's going you're going to wear it like 20 times like set yourself a little test to see if that's mm-hmm. a possibility and I'm still learning about that and I do have loads of clothes but I love all of my clothes yeah. and now if I get anything that's new to me not to the world but to me it's always vintage or secondhand yeah and which is pretty much the same thing at this point because like 90s is vintage now which is terrifying and naughty but um, you can go into charity shops and this is what the girls do in Sustainable Fashion Dublin and there are other people as well that are coming buying them who are promoting this this idea and there's another two women there's one in particular her name is Ashling, and she's set up with two other women to my knowledge I think called what do you call it? oh my goodness you kill me now it's basically a rental system for clothes and it's set in London. Now, the reason why she, she's an Irish person, moved to London to do this because the, the funding wasn't available to her in Ireland as a new business, a startup. So she has startup funding in London and it is New Wardrobe, that's what it's called. So NU Wardrobe, I think you might have heard of these. Cool. They're doing huge amounts to reprogram us to understand that like you can borrow clothes from someone like we used to do yeah. and you'll get fun out of their beautiful green dress and then you'll look after it because it's not your dress and you're going to give it back to the person who bought it. That you pay a certain certain fee to be a member of, the, of this uh, system and then you respect each other. And there's, I guess, a huge, huge amount of human integrity involved and trust. But that's kind of gorgeous too, isn't yeah. it? Like it's it's like a, you're reconnecting with people. Some I don't know why Loretta came into my head, but some woman called Loretta somewhere in the world probably has a dress and she's <laughs> going to share it with somebody else. Yeah, and Neve somewhere else is going to wear this electric blue jumpsuit that... 
that someone else bought and loved and thought well actually I would love someone else to enjoy this to someone's wedding and that kind of thing is starting to I think it's starting to enter people's psyche and they, they have a little more awareness uh, what I wonder about a lot is though what does that mean for the big fashion brands yeah. you know like I don't know what's going to happen because money is such a loud thing like people worship it like money yeah. is people's god and I get it I do get it genuinely when I have money I do feel happier because I feel less worried about what's going to happen if I don't Mm -hmm. and as an artist obviously that fluctuates and I wonder if there are people who have enough empathy and basically non-capitalists so the system has to change as I'm sure will arise more and more in the conversations you have in order for us to have a system that's sustainable because sustainable systems don't always they don't sit very comfortably in capitalism and which is ultimately what fast fashion is and so few so few of the people who work for these brands get they get such a small percentage in comparison to the people at the top Mm -hmm. and we know that like two percent isn't it the two percent of the of the world has so much of the world's wealth and like what the hell are they doing with that are they going to take that when the world burns up and no humans are able to exist here anymore like are they going to like build a little uh, underground bunker where there's like false sunlight and thick grass you know like what are you going to do with it oh there is of course sorry and the moon is going to be so wonderful and so Mm -hmm. like it's going to be like going on holidays too I don't know like choose your Barbados you know when anyway we could go on and rant about it for ages but just it's curious to me as to why people need so much feel like they need so much that's another reason why the the children at the gate that just finished there last week like I wasn't part of it at all but I they did a post-show panel discussion on one of the evenings afterwards and I was asked to chair it and the Emperor Queen Mary Robinson (laughs) used all of the big words for any listeners from abroad yes might be listening she was the very first female president in Mm. Ireland Mary Robinson she was also the first uh, our first female professor of law in Trinity she was also the, the UN Commissioner of Human Rights she set up Mary Robinson Foundation for Climate Action one of the most wonderful things about that discussion was that she talked with such positivity optimism and hope because her overall argument when it comes to climate action is that hope is the energy that we need and if we there are there is potential to make massive changes fast which we have to because you know we have 11 and a half years to make huge changes to the system in order for us to to keep the temperature of the planet to to a level where it won't turn into like utter chaos where Mm -hmm. people become find it just ridiculously difficult to live here that stuff like that sentence is terrifying like it's really scary and really overwhelming so when you have someone who's as learned and as experienced and also as who has lived a long time in comparison to you and I say that with such confidence it is huge when it comes to climate action because as I was saying to you before we started chatting on on the microphone the main issue for me in the last year has been that I've been exhausted feeling like and I'm sure you feel like this too oh god like it's just me and if I read more into this we've similar uh, focus but it's slightly different in ways that I'm focusing on maybe on another part of sustainability and obviously yours veganism and all of that stuff I think that's where it was born but you just start to get into it like a a, a dark black hole of oh god what have we done Mm -hmm. it's so hard to do anything and I feel so overwhelmed and I just want to put on Queer Eye and watch it and not think about it and then watch them like buy new shit all the time and yeah. make them and then you're like oh god everybody's doing everything wrong safe. Yeah. yeah but that's where it comes back down to and only in the last six months when I've done interviews or, or written anything about this I always I'm trying to, to emphasise the fact that now our governments are so hugely responsible for big change because one of the people on the panel was a, a very impressive man called Professor Frank Convery and he's head of sustainable systems in UCD now that's not as the limit of a CV a CV is quite incredible he has a degree in forestry so he has this from way back 
and he has just become he's gained his PhD I think in the US and I don't quote me on that again but I'm just trying to to remember what I know about him a very lovely human and also he was saying that like individuals can make changes but what we need to do as a country and as a planet first priority would be to stop burning fossil fuels and then to stop well i guess some people get confused in that area because they think let's stop taking fossil fuels on the ground which is a big problem but what the problem actually is if you bring more fossil fuels up like oil turf uh, gas the the main issue is that we burn them because they've been brought up mm-hmm. and burning them is the problem mm-hmm. like taking them out of the earth is awful because that has its own repercussions yeah. and for ecosystems and ultimately like i always wonder what's going to be left in there you know but like what the real issue is burning them so we know as a country like there's a, a very incredible woman called Sinead Mercier who writes policy or like at least researches for the green party not at least she definitely like is part of the policy the policy planning and she's very articulate person who's also one to watch I would say who I'm in Dublin Ecofem group and we have to finalise the name but it's mm-hmm. a Dublin Ecofeminist which is a whole array, array of women people like me or actors who just have been given somehow a platform to talk about this stuff which is really helpful and then there are people who write policy for the Green Party and there are people who work for NGOs and women who are studying in the area or they work in art and they just have this driving need to make changes and I am really thankful for them because I felt like an individual who couldn't do anything and I guess I looked out above the parapet of doom and went, who is out there? And you find groups. That's a big thing I would say to people who feel a bit overwhelmed as an individual is to find a group of people because they also feel overwhelmed and like there's power in numbers. And uh, Sinead was saying, Sinead Mercier was saying that we have the systems in place or ready to go, essentially. I mean, that's a very shorthand way of saying that we can apply green energy to Ireland. But I always ask, like I kept asking Professor Convery on, at the panel in the gate, but why? Why aren't the government doing this? And no one can really give me an answer. I think ultimately they were saying like in politics, you need to do one thing at a time. So if you go in with a list of five things to uh, someone in a particular department, so mm-hmm. let's say the Department of Environment or the Department of Arts and Culture, you or whatever the Arts and Culture Department is now, it's like probably like five different titles. Yeah. They can only do one thing. And they're, they're, if they're really good politicians, they'll be frank with you and say, I can only do one thing, choose your favourite thing. Um, let me send this message loud and clear. Fine Gael are doing F all. If they say they are, it's this sort of meek, individualistic approach in that recently, Leo Varadkar had the audacity to say, you know, the answer is a keep cup. And Josepha Madigan, I probably said that wrong. Josepha, let's just try a different versions. Josepha, Josepha, whatever. Madigan. She said bird boxes were the way to deal with the fact we are making our ecosystem. We're, we're making extinct parts of, of Irish ecosystem in that... Mm-hmm certain flora and fauna and wildlife as a result of that and it's all like we know how it works it's circular they need each other we need them we need them that needs to be emphasised a bird box a bloody bird box it's like you know what there's a whole area in Ireland that needs to be reinvested in trees need to be planted they need to be put back in the ground they're carbon capturing beautiful things that also like just feel good to be around because we're animals and we need them and the bees need them and the other insects that are part of their system need them because without them we won't have bees and all, but we, you know everyone mm-hmm. knows the drill and to have the audacity to say a keep cup and a bird box is the way to, to change the planet is just like yeah you and I have keep cups we have reusable bottles because I don't like the idea I can't bear the idea of going in and buying another plastic bottle or using another cup that's why I have it it's not because I'm like there I go 
changing the world it's like the message is also quite important too because I think for me the having a key cup and a reusable bottle that message almost sort of started filtering into me that feeling where it's around you all the time and you have you have the need to reuse it because you don't want to take a single use plastic bottle or whatever and then you start to see a little further outside of the cup and then you start seeing a little further outside of that and like where do the cups come from and is this keep cup actually what's its carbon footprint and is that coffee like fair trade and what does fair trade really mean because that's up for debate you know all this stuff and then you can't unknow so you're just constantly asking questions and I I do believe there's power something powerful in in making individual changes and actually that was reinforced wholeheartedly by Queen Mary, former President of Ireland, Climate Action Queen Mary Robinson, because she said the, the first thing that you need to do is make a personal change. So make it personal so that you feel yeah. like if something doesn't change, it will affect you because it will affect you. And if it doesn't affect you, it will affect your legacy, meaning your children, your offspring. She definitely said that we should then lobby. So be loud, be angry, talk to people in power, make it part of their policy. And if they haven't made a part of their policy, they don't go into power. And that's just how it works. Big business is such a big part of the problem and the answer. So there's a lot of press in the last two days and the fact that like big oil companies have been ensuring that climate action policy has not been implemented um, because it obviously would directly affect them. It would stop them from taking oil from the earth and it would stop people buying it because, mm-hmm. you know, we could run everything on green energy. Yeah, there's an argument that buying an electric car, in, it, making the car in itself is a huge carbon footprint. But if we were able to just be more patient with ourselves and like it's like, you know, when someone's running, I feel like when someone's running around trying to do everything at once, but like they really haven't been able to take stock like you just make mistakes but if we were able to have somebody who had you know those people who are just so incredible like they have all the information and they're able to apply it yeah so they do their phd in marine biology and they're like well this is what i'm going to do to ensure that the sea life is maintained and you're like that is just such an amazing kaleidoscope of information i don't even have the brain power to deal with but mm-hmm. at least i know someone's doing it yeah, yeah. and then we can actually take that information and have another really clever well-equipped person deal with implementing it like there are talent out there to do that and there are people out there that can help us help us do that i'm gonna clearly i'm very passionate about this i'm hearing myself <laughs> talk about it but i mean it is infuriating you know i'm in my house in dublin and in stony batter and they're gorgeous little houses but they're so cold because they're old and we burn fossil fuel to make them warm and we don't have any choice and that's infuriating and exhausting because imagine the sense of well-being and being and community weirdly if like six out of the i don't know how many streets i'm taking a guess like 40 streets in with similar housing and then seven and then eight streets all like managed to be run on green energy meaning wind power or solar energy like the satisfaction of that and like or like imagine if solar solar panels just became this trendy thing that people put mm-hmm. to the side of their house and like yeah if that's what needs to happen mm-hmm. and um i do think that that there is something about human nature of like the peacock thing where we also want to look good and i do find it disgusting when i see the same person every day with a new single-use cup or single-use yeah. that you're like well guys we're all lazy you know yeah. it does take a bit of effort i'm sure being a vegan is really like the amount of effort because i'm not vegan um, which is another thing that people go, well, you're not vegan. I'm like, yeah, but like, I don't eat meat. And if I do eat meat, I know where it comes from. 
and there's a whole argument around that and like you know I'm sure like as we were saying earlier you have to as long as you're, you're doing something you yeah. know what I mean and usually, yeah. it's a lot of people have cognitive dissonance is what it is yeah. like we have that switch because it is it's kind of it's a protective thing we, yeah we it's survival I guess yeah we don't want to know and it was the same when I first went vegan I was vegetarian for 12 years before mm. I went mm. vegan and I kept saying cheese is fine milk is fine it's all fine but I, I became aware at some point oh this this can't make logical sense but I made up these things in my head yeah like oh the male chicks are live happy lives and they're not you know they're sent yeah. for the meat industry it's the meat industry that kills them or whatever and then eventually it was one friend who literally said one thing about something she saw on a dairy farm and it just sh- like shone a light yeah. on this area yeah. that I kept closed and then I was like oh, I know I can't you can't I couldn't do it anymore yeah. so like you said once you know you know yeah once you know you um, know uh, or once you know you can't unknow that one yeah. I have to get it right if it's going to be the tagline yeah um, <laughs> but uh, yeah it's that that thing and a lot of people I, I can totally understand that you don't want to know because it can be so depressing and it's really hard to do that kind of lifestyle especially in Ireland I mean, it's possible and it's getting easier, mm-hmm. but it is exhausting. And mm-hmm. that's why when I talk about fast fashion, um, I'm sitting here in like jeans that probably need washed and a big jumper. This is actually <laughs> the jumper I'm wearing is secondhand, but somebody needs to start making it easier for us to do this. And I, uh, I went to this thing called Stop Climate Chaos. It was an event uh, brought together by a couple of NGOs and took place in Buswell's Hotel, which is just across in the Dáil. So it was a perfect location to have such an event. And ultimately what it meant was you go and you speak to your TD. So I'm still a live con- uh, constituent. Mm-hmm. And I, I am reticent to give up that constituency because I like, like I want to be there for a long time eventually. Um, and my heart is there. It's on that mountain. <laughs> okay. And I want to help make changes at home. And I talked to the live TDs and it's kind of incredible like the sliding scale of knowledge and focus on this as an issue, which I can't hold against some people. Also, politics is a play, so some people pretend they don't know stuff to test how much you do know so they can have a decent argument with you. And like, they're just, you know, they're, they're feeling out their, they're, they're feeling out the, the argument before they actually engage, which I found with one person in particular. He just kept pretending he didn't know. And it was just like, well, you definitely do know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and farmers are a big part of, of the decision making and the, the lobbying and the policy writing uh, making in Ireland because farming has always been a big part of our end or actually our identity mm-hmm. I would say the sustainable farming needs to be celebrated and uh, even more and made more possible for more farmers and also we import so much food and we have this uh, my, my best mate Emma was telling me cause she's, she's also been a bit more of an eco-feminist quietly for longer than I have it's just that I'm allowed to talk out loud more. <laughs> she was telling me like she realised that from some watching some documentary that we have this tendency to try and uh, as a society, and this is not just Ireland, it's everywhere that identifies as a farming country. Like we have one crop in one field when we actually could have like loads and they help each other. Mm-hmm. So we don't need pesticides. And I was just thinking like, imagine if we just rechanged that system and like farmers are able to grow low because they're not allowed to. My dad was a potato farmer and he couldn't grow certain potatoes in his area. Like there's probably something quite ecological about that too there's probably a rule there because certain crops won't work in certain parts of the country but I just find it interesting that we have to be so stringent and this man was at the uh, poster discussion the other day and uh, he was in the audience and we, we asked the audience for questions and he said he planted one that's amazing like he planted 1,000 trees in Kerry recently wow. but he wasn't allowed to plant any more 
because he's a, he's a GP. So I'd say maybe it was he raised the money or he just went, this is what I'm going to do with my savings. This is put plant trees. And he said because of policy or uh, what was the word, the system or whatever you want to call it, he couldn't plant anymore in a certain area because there was a embargo on it or something. And Frank or Professor Convery was the most qualified to talk about that and he said it might be because the area has so much carbon that oh if you plant trees they bring carbon up and like they don't want to dig up an area that has carbon underneath so there's loads of things going on right. but there are parts of Ireland that could be filled with trees yeah. and it would do everything in favour I'm just really curious as to why people are so intent on like really like massive fields with no trees in it and loads of stone walls when there was probably a ton of trees there before I actually have a little I'm saving a little bit of money to try and rewild parts of my parents land oh brilliant it's mad because my parents own land like who owns land like who really owns it but um my sister is she was going to do uh horticulture and we were saying like where if you're going to rewild which is like i guess the term used to you know plants put plants in the area that are going to encourage a wildlife to like, create little ecosystems for people sure. people insects animals yeah. animals so like mm-hmm. she has all of these really cool ideas about like putting them on a certain banks and everything. And I was like, I give, I'm going to give you all my money. And every time I do it, the next big job I do, I'm going to give you all my money and we're going to put it all in. Because it just feels so good to, because I feel a bit lost sometimes, yeah. you know. I think people can hear drastic things and think on all they feel is either fear or I don't want, I don't want to go into this or care because sometimes it can hurt to care and yeah. you, can, you can start feeling down but really I much prefer knowing than not and I, I wouldn't change a single thing about how I found out the things I have if anything I want to know more because the satisfaction that you get from planting those flowers compared to buying something kind of meaningless or whatever that gives you like this kind of short-lived satisfaction they're completely they're completely yeah, different things yeah. like the feeling I get when I I was in Munich and I walked through the uh, city centre and there was this random vegan festival stand after in the middle of the, and I got so emotional because there were so many people there and I'm like oh my god and I would have yeah. just walked by that or absolutely but at the same time underlying all this we need to like lobby 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 and like get on to our TDs is there anything else that came from that talk that we could do to help as people so you said that we need to stop burning fossil fuels yeah ultimately Um, that's the big answer is is to the big problem the big big problem globally is fossil fuel burn burning fossil fuels and we can do we bring that to our TDs like is that yeah like the big thing you could do is it takes energy and it takes a little bit of confidence actually because not everyone's equipped to do that Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. I think everyone is actually but it's just it's maybe not, not what everyone's used to it doesn't really cost me or you that much to, to be honest about these things also we have a vocabulary maybe we didn't have last year about yeah. this stuff so it's yeah. easy for us to get into those conversations and feel feel more robust but at the end of the day emailing your TD if everyone emailed their TD it's a little country and also there's this argument just as it's another sideline that Climate Case Ireland is another really great group you can follow because they're doing it from the, the, I guess it's the Mary Robinson approach, change the legislation, take people to court. And it's not her idea, it's not her brainchild, mm-hmm. but there are court cases happening all over the world. Predominantly young people taking governments to court because their lack of action. And in the US there's some really interesting things happening there. There's a Mother's Invention, that podcast was the one I mentioned to you yeah. earlier. They do a lot of they do last season they did a, a, quite a bit of emphasis on, on the, how that was going and we have one ourselves in Ireland Climate Case Ireland a really good Twitter account good Instagram so people can keep up to date on what's happening Um, I went to the final our side of the argument made sure. their, their final bid to the judge because the judge the closing statement yes go. closing argument the Irish the government side of the argument which is actually so silly it was really beautiful actually because a place full of people and all, all the people that were there from the public 
were all for Climate Case Ireland. Brilliant. And there were children quietly doing their homework, waiting because they'd just been taken from school to go see the final two hours of it. And the judges kept seeing people coming in and we had to swap out. Like we had to, we had to let, come out to let people go in. But it was so important because it's about people. Yeah. You know, it's not about, as we were saying earlier, it's not some clouds in the sky that's going to change. It's a humanity's way and living as we know it will change drastically if we don't make changes. But the argument from the Irish side, the Irish government side of things was that we're just a tiny country that doesn't have huge impact, which is such bullshit because mm. when we make huge changes to the way we are, like marriage equality referendum, repeal the 8th, which for your listeners outside Ireland is like getting abortion rights for, for women in this country and ensuring that anyone, however you identify, you can marry the person you love. Like, they're huge cultural shifts and that enthuses and fuels other cultural shifts shifts elsewhere. And we are one big organism and mm-hmm. to say that we're not a part of it is, is so... It's basically the big guy telling the small guy that they're irrelevant. Mm-hmm. And, but, but with Climate Case Ireland, it's a good one to follow because they, they reinforce that, the I guess, the sentiments that I have and that you might have and other people and teach you about the system and how we can change it. But yeah, back to what we're supposed to be saying. You can call your TD and your TD is supposed to... Your TD, just to remind everyone that they do know somewhere in the ether they're working for you like yeah. you even if you didn't vote for them they're your TD yeah. so if you make a phone call and say hi I think it could be as simple if this, if this is what you can manage hi I'm Avon Can, and I'm a Louth constituent um, my vote is in Cooley Peninsula I just wanted to call to say um, I want to ask so and so fill blank space here what their climate policy is and what they're planning to do about it and they'll probably say, well, if this person will call you back now in five minutes. And you'll be like, or they'll email you. And what's your email? Or, um, yeah, well, he was at this meeting earlier. They'll have an answer. But if there's an interest, if there's a genuine engagement on this issue, they can't ignore it. Yeah. And it's actually, I said to a couple of them to their faces, like, you're morally obliged to wake up in the morning if you're not thinking about this top of your list. Because, yeah, homelessness is going is a problem, but it's going to get huge if migration becomes an issue in the next 50 years, which it will, inevitably. Yeah. It will either way. Um, yeah, so homelessness, housing crisis, the health system, all of that is up for it's in danger it's going to become worse or it's not it's not going to become a robust better system it'll become the opposite if we don't deal with climate change mm-hmm. because it's at the core of everything it's the planet yeah and to think that some of them are relegating it to the bottom of their list or even like third on their list is so exhausting because mm-hmm. you're going guys just acknowledge it like what how do you sit down and look at this whole big picture and and justified the lack of action like there was a 10,000 young people that showed up in Dublin recently for the the schools march strike and it was amazing like Mm -hmm. like not unlike the vegan market like I felt so emotional looking at that and going wow and they were articulate and their signs were really articulate and uh, correct and progressive and angry and pissed off and impatient and Mm -hmm. they're all like under voting age not all of them some of them were university students and obviously I was there and there was a lot of other people who were have been voting for a while now I do believe there was some talk about how they left a mess behind but I don't know if that was true yeah I don't know either yeah, yeah but yeah like education is key and some of these people are not learning about this in school mm-hmm. they just know and then Leo Varadkar tweeted about how it was so enthusing and inspiring whatever word he used it's like oh yeah, like greenwashing and pinkwashing is a big Fina Gale thing to do. So it's infuriating that they've seen some very, very mediocre measures as, you know, a way to deal with with their responsibility. Like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, we've done this. And you're like, well, that's nothing. And I don't even, I'm tired. <laughs> I'm like, what, what have they not done? Um, 
but yeah, I could be right. I could talk about this for hours. But mostly, what I do is I try not to buy things that are brand new when it comes to clothes or anything really. Like actually, anything, like even electronic stuff. You know, you yeah. can get really good secondhand yeah. things. And 100%. and what I always remind myself is, I bet you there's a printer somewhere in Dublin that, that no one needs anymore, and I need the printer. Or yeah. I bet there's um, oh yeah, mobile phones as well. Like I, we're learning about like the horrendous things that happen to people. Yeah because of mobile phones being made and the mining that goes into that mm-hmm. and everything. I'm throwing out lots of bits of random information here. People are going to have to Google all this. But, you know, there are things, I'm looking around the room, like if you haven't got a calculator, I bet you can go on adverts.ie or wherever your equivalent is and look for a calculator, you know, or if you need a fan, like go and look for a fan that no one else needs because they've moved house or they've emigrated and they have yeah. there's a fan sitting in someone's garage that mm-hmm. no one's using. Instead of going into these big brands I, I know give people jobs but like selling brand new stuff that need mm-hmm. to be the plastic needs to be made from the oil from the earth and all that stuff plus to remind people that like plastic can only be recycled three times and it has to be a certain kind of plastic but tin and glass can be recycled thousands and thousands endlessly time, endless times yeah that's another thing trying not to buy things with plastic on it yeah just making decisions thinking about the repercussions even just briefly on top of asking our politicians mm. for change live in like I love the quote I wrote it down on a piece of paper when I saw it first and it's been inside my wardrobe ever since be the change you want to see in the world Yeah, everyone has the ability to do something small if you have one day where I mean you buy one thing and you're like oh god I shouldn't have done that doesn't mean you should throw everything else out the window and go yeah. oh, you know it doesn't matter yeah, anymore yeah. and then just yeah. give it all up absolutely just mm. just keep going like mm. everyone we're not perfect we're human you know what I mean yeah. so it's not, it's not going to be an easy solution but as long as you try and your mentality you'll feel clearer like you're reopening this connection with the earth and yeah it does it is it comes back to that thing yeah. of if you insist on buying a big plastic bottle of water every day and then throwing it in the bin afterwards like why would you do that when mm-hmm. it just takes a few more minutes to get that reusable bottle and fill yeah. it with water and carry it with you? Because you're going to carry the plastic bottle of water anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, why don't you just buy another one? A that stylish have... one. A stylish one. Mm-hmm. Like, I saw that happen so much. And also, like, for example, I have an electric toothbrush and I had it years. And people go, like, when we mentioned earlier about bamboo toothbrushes, when this ref- it refuses to work, I will replace it. But will you have something, like, some people want to go overkill and they're like get rid of everything that they have and yeah. like replace it with the eco version you're like mm-hmm. well if you have it use it mm-hmm. and repair that's a big thing I missed talking about here like I say it all the time but it's such a big part of it's so satisfying like this is going to sound really stingy and it's not because I'm poor I really do this because I want to reuse things yeah I get a hole in a pair of socks or a pair of tights I'll mend Solid. it yeah and it's because I get such a feeling of and it's I have I've saved what a euro because if you go to pennies you can buy like a packet of socks for three euro and there's mm-hmm. five pairs in there mm-hmm. it's not about the money it's about the fact that I care about this thing I bought mm-hmm. and I want to I have this weird little relationship with it and I want it to be okay and I want yeah. to look after it and you know I have the same pair of scissors I've had for years like I don't need to, although they're metal so they're actually a pretty good material like if they go missing they're just metal like they're not plastic they don't yeah. you know it's it, those things as well you start once you know you're like tin if I go into a shop and, and I'm really thirsty and I forgot my water bottle um, I might buy a tin of a really good brand of like whole earth ginger yeah. beer or something yeah. Yeah. because the tin I'll take it home and I'll recycle the tin yeah. and the tin is going to be recycled it's mm-hmm. the easiest thing ever I also what I'd love is that I I'm going to just say I use a moon cup so for women who mm-hmm. on their menstrual cycle it's it's not for everyone but there's another brand called Thinks and it's a really good like I this eco-feminist group I'm part of we talk about that stuff because it's actually like, to be completely honest so nice to not have a load of 
pads and tampons that you're throwing away all mm-hmm. the time. It takes a bit more patience and sometimes. And it saves money though as well. It saves money, but yeah. you have, it takes patience, it takes effort, it takes uh, foresight, mm-hmm. which isn't what everyone has. When you get used to convenience, mm-hmm. you don't like to have to plan things as, as intricately. Yeah, and also my friend who had a baby recently, she was like, how it's so hard to be zero waste when you have a child but there must be an industry or some sort of service that could be implemented for people who do want to be like that, mm-hmm. but they just don't have the infrastructure. Like there isn't the products there. Yeah. Like no one's teaching them how to do this safely. Mm-hmm. So anyone out there wants to start a service for young parents of newborns who can, I think it's there. I know loads of people who want it, but they yeah. just don't have the energy because they haven't slept. What disposable items have you replaced with like your favorite, like what is your favorite keep cup? What have you found really easy fixes for around the house? What I've found is I don't buy cotton wool anymore, right? Because I just don't need it. So what I do is I have a face cloth that gets go thrown in the washing machine with towels, you know, and mm-hmm. I it's soft or I you can take a, your favorite like a tea towel that you have in the kitchen that you like the, the fabric on it because it maybe has you maybe you want um basically whatever consistency you want or whatever texture you want sometimes people want super soft some people want like some like exfoliation mm-hmm. vibes mm-hmm. you can like this is another thing I will say I think it takes creativity sometimes to be sustainable but once you get into that way of thinking it's really fun when you find yeah. a solution in your own house yeah, so yeah. you're like oh shit I have no cotton wool or I ran out of cleanser like you'll go oh I have coconut oil and I have oats and I have this and you're like oh my god I'm MacGyver like I can actually (laughs) live in the walls of this house for weeks with whatever I need and it's all here I don't need to buy another plastic bottle of special eye makeup remover yeah people have sensitive skin though so people have to trial and run I live with somebody who has sensitive skin and and it took a while for her to find plastic free options that worked for her like my favorite keep cup at the moment, I don't have loads or anything. Because what I do is, if I get a keep cup given to me, which is sustainable clothing brands or sustainable brands sometimes give me stuff, um, I'll give the one I have to someone else oh, to cool. try it out. Brilliant. Because yeah. then someone else needs it. That I'm like, are you going to use the cup? If you're not going to use the cup, don't don't lie to me. Look me in yeah. the face. You're going to use it. And they always do because I like it. Like it's mm-hmm. a nice feeling to have your cup. You know, mm-hmm. the one I'm using at the moment is this. It's it's by a company called Cafe Form, and I think they're German. But you can buy the cups in Ireland and Sony Butter. There's a shop. Um. Oh God, damn it! What is it called? I'll and, link it in the show notes. But it's after. made out of coffee grinds that have already been made into coffee. So someone drank the coffee, and the coffee beans have been grinded down, or the coffee grinds, and then it's by a little bit of resin, the high heat. This is to my knowledge of how they made them. I love. I get such a kick out of the fact that it was coffee, and I'm drinking my coffee out of it. Yeah. And I'll have it forever, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. And if I don't want it, and it gets crushed by a car, it's going to turn into coffee beans again. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like if someone drives over it. It's mm-hmm. no big deal. Mm-hmm. Someone drives over it. They have a. It's a, it's a pretty robust. We'll have a sad avian, but we'll, yeah, but yeah. we'll get another one, yeah. or we'll use another one at glass. Also, another thing I do as well is people go, "Oh, I forgot my cup, so I have a takeaway." Like, do you have twenty minutes to sit down, mm-hmm. sit the flip down, mm-hmm. and drink the coffee from a mug? Mm-hmm. It's better. It tastes nicer. And if you're going to take your coffee and walk and sit down somewhere else where and drink it. Why not just sit down in the coffee shop? That's a big, big, I hate, just so people know if they know what I look like and you're sitting in a cafe that I'm in and you've taken the single-use packaging option over the reusable bowl option, mm-hmm. I will be sending you, like, like, like a, voodoo, a bit voodoo doll kind of vibes here. Mm-hmm, like, you know? mm-hmm. Another thing I really like, I love reusing. I love using the ends of things. I get such a kick out of, like, as it turns out, because I've only been acutely aware of my of what I do and I'm still learning as I go 
that's a big thing. I am still learning as I go and I'll probably say something on this now that in a year I'll revisit it and go, oh my God, I said that. That's just so misinformed. Yeah. But I like to use the ends of like moisturizer. So like mm-hmm. I say, like, oh, if you want to go out and like restock everything with eco-friendly products, you still have that Estee Lauder bottle that you mm-hmm. actually like and your skin likes. Mm-hmm. Finish the bottle. Mm-hmm. I love um, with toothpaste. And it sounds really saying it's not a money thing. Mm-hmm. Cutting the top off the toothpaste. If, yeah. you, if you have a big tube of toothpaste that's been around for a year, use the end of it. Mm-hmm. So I have a big drawer of makeup. I'm trying to make sure that I'm not buying something I already have, mm-hmm. you know. I lo- When I have house parties, <laughs> which aren't very often, but I had one or two with the ends of shows, so big shows that have been going on for weeks and months. I said I ended up hosting the both two or three of these parties. And I said in a message to everyone, including the staff of the theatre and everything, it was like, do not show up at my house with big bottles of plastic. I'll provide the, the ice the fruit for putting in drinks. I'll have glasses. Do not, that's what I think, do not show up with single-use plastic cups. Mm-hmm. I will throw you out of my head. I won't. But like, <laughs> yeah. I just said, please think. And it, and actually, it was really nice because they. I bought loads of second-hand glasses from the charity shop. Cool. And I washed them and it was really nice because they're all different shapes and sizes. Yeah. And they're in my cupboard, like our cupboard in our kitchen. You can just see like loads of glasses mm-hmm. and they're going to be used for ages. And if they break, they turn into glass, which is mm-hmm. sand. Mm-hmm. And it's not plastic. That's my favourite thing. It's like, if you need something, go to the charity shop. If you need a few plates, go to a charity shop. Yeah. You don't need to go to Devlin's and buy they a whole set. They don't all look alike. They don't. Yeah. Yeah. My brother bought a house recently and he was, he every time I come into one of those rooms, like, I see a new lampshade and I'm like, where's that from? And he's like, don't look, don't look at me like that. And I was like, where's it from? And he's like, Ikea. Like, yeah, of course it is. You know that there's a gorgeous charity shop nearby. You could have gotten a lampshade. Yeah. But, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. I would just say, like, think, be creative, embrace, embrace mismatch. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find cleaning products in your own house. Like, use everything you have. That's, that's, that's my message. It can be so much fun. Yeah. Well. Absolutely. So satisfying. Aileen, thank you so much. God, you couldn't shut me up. No. Oh my I God. I definitely have to have you on again in a year or so when uh, you know even more. Even than more. You know, see what happens. Hopefully there'll be day. huge policy changes and then we'll be really excited about some sort of like like green energy belt or some shite. Yeah. I don't know. Like think big. Oh, that's another thing. This is a big message. Dream big. Dream of the world you want to live in. That's mm-hmm. what Mary Robinson always says. Dream of the world you want to live in. It's such an exciting feeling. It's like manifesting the best version of the world. Yeah. And then it gives everybody energy to, to, to do all the things they want to do and need to do. Yeah. Yeah. So dream big and dream bold and dream beautiful. <laughs> I think what a lovely note to end it on. Even thank you so much for coming Thank in. you for having me. It was so nice and therapeutic. enjoyed that I know it's a long one but I like to think that there was a lot covered in that and hopefully you can take away some things take a few leaves for your book and if you want to follow any of the businesses or incentives Avian mentioned I have them linked in the show notes so whatever you're listening to the podcast on hopefully you'll be able to find those in the description of the podcast episode and Avine, she's actually performing in the Lyric Theatre in ben- Belfast. Belfast? I don't know what Belfast is. But she's in Belfast for the rest of May in the Lyric performing as Blanche in A Streetcar Named Desire. If any of you around the area want to go see her in that, I don't think I'll make it up with that college at the moment. But I'm hoping I might get a day off here that I can go up and see her. I'm... I think it'll be amazing. But yeah, 
I've kept you long enough, guys. I hope you enjoyed. Please share this episode. Send it to your friend. Recommend the podcast. And give us an ale review on iTunes. That would be amazing. And I'll see you guys in two weeks' time. Take care.